Let's open our Bibles this morning to Ezra chapter 8. Ezra chapter 8, we'll begin, we'll read only a single verse today, verse 31. Then we departed from the river Ahava on the twelfth day of the first month to go to Jerusalem. The hand of our God was on us, and He delivered us from the hand of the enemy and from ambushes by the way. Let's pray. Our Father, teach us, comfort us, challenge us, and exhort us from Your Word today. Let us hear what Your Spirit says to the church. And God, I pray that as Your Word is proclaimed, that You would guard my lips, and You would guard my heart, and You would guard my thoughts, and those of all who hear so that Your Word may be implanted. And Lord, we may grow closer to You. For it is in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, we pray. Amen. We come to this final Sunday of 2020, and there are many who might say good riddance to this year. There could be no disputing that this year has been trying for a great many people. Most here have in some way been touched to some extent by the effects of the current pestilence, whether in affecting our own health or the health of those we love, or in navigating the contrary and often unwise recommendation by those in power, or perhaps trying at various times to buy necessities only to find they've been hoarded by others. We have all felt its effects and seen greater effects around the world caused by the myriad responses to this outbreak. But perhaps this year has brought more than just the pestilence. On a more personal level, there are lives, families, jobs that have changed. Some have changed with loss. Some have changed with joyous additions. But without exception, the testimony of everyone who is found in Jesus Christ echoes the exclamation of Ezra in today's passage, the hand of God was upon us and He delivered us. We already knew that this was going to be His testimony He he told us twice already in this book that this was going to be the outcome. In Ezra chapter 7 verse 9, we're given the short version of everything that follows all the way through uh, chapter 8 verse 31 when he says, On the first day of the month he began to go up from Babylonia, and on the first day of the fifth month he came to Jerusalem, for the good hand of his God was on him. And then again earlier in this chapter, in chapter 8, when Ezra proclaimed the fast at the Ahava Canal, where he recalled his faithful boast before the king. When he had told the king, the hand of our God is for good on all who seek Him. And the power of His wrath is against all who forsake Him. He gave us a glimpse of this very same final result 
where he told us, So we fasted and implored our God for this, that is for the safe journey, and he listened to our entreaty. And so it comes to no surprise as we get here to verse 31, that when the narrative catches up with the fulfillment of God's protection, he has indeed protected his people with his own hand. I think the only surprise for me as I read through it, and it might be a surprise for you, is how quietly it happens. We don't hear about any of the details of the journey. This verse, this, this verse 31 in chapter 8, encompasses four months of journey. But we don't hear any of the details. We don't, did any of them experience hardship along the way? Did any of the pack animals become unable to continue and need to be replaced? We don't even know how they observed the Passover on the road. It would have been observed three days after their departure from Mahava. We don't know of any aborted attacks or ambushes along the way. Indeed, the way Ezra expresses it, it strongly implies that nothing at all was heard from their foes at all along the way. Four months, 900 miles in a lumbering caravan moving at most 10 miles a day along a heavily traveled trade route. And the entire thing is summarized in a single clause. The 11 days leading up to this journey, Ezra took 31 verses, adding up to a total of over 750 English words to describe how he prepared for the journey. The next four months, get a single verse and about 20 words. Now, I'm not saying this to imply that there's a deficiency in Scripture. Precisely the opposite. It's instructive to us. I'm certain that a day-by-day chronicle of the journey would be interesting, but that's not the point that Ezra is trying to make. The point that Ezra is making is this. The hand of God was upon us, and He delivered us. We had nothing to report about attacks because there were none. We had nothing to report of raiders because they were somewhere else. God's hand was on us, contrary to anyone's expectations. There's a farsightedness that faith gives us. It is the ability to see the hand of God through difficult and even dangerous circumstances. And that is where Ezra's eyes are. He is looking at the hand of God along their journey. That farsightedness allows us to recognize that even when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we can fear no evil. God is with us every step of the way. It allows us to know that this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. Because the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. And yes, I'm quoting Paul in 2 Corinthians 
chapter 4, verse 17 and following. That farsightedness that faith gives us says we don't have to pay as much attention to our here and now. We don't have to get mired in the mud of what we're going through because God is delivering us. It gives us the ability to declare in faith, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. Our eyes are beyond where we are. It enables us to know that the outcome will work out ultimately for our good and for God's glory no matter what is happening now. Romans 8.28, we are told that we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose. The daily journey we all go through, the daily journey that Ezra took on these four months is just that. It is a journey. It is not the destination. Too many people live life as if this world is the goal. As if the world is where we, our hope lies. And as a result, they think that we have to accumulate all we can We have to seek as many treasures as possible. We have to live what the world calls a full life. But by saying that, what they mean is a life of collected experiences of worldliness. But ultimately, everyone who tries to live that kind of life discovers often too late that this full life is simply a futile life. A life that has no meaning. A life of vanity. Of chasing after wind. A life of the fleeting vapor of fame or wealth or influence. A life of constantly seeking meaning and purpose, but never finding it. But to the follower of Jesus Christ... We see through the eyes of faith, through that farsightedness that the Spirit gives us, that nothing in this world matters but being faithful to God where He has placed us. To be a faithful disciple of His. To be a faithful husband or wife. To be a faithful parent. To be a faithful worker or manager. And the testimony of everyone who is faithful in Christ Jesus is this. The hand of God was upon us. And He delivered us. In our examination of Ezra, this isn't the first time we have seen the hand of God. It is a favorite expression of His. It's used numerous times as Ezra tells his own story. And each time he uses it, he uses the term to tell us not only of God's guidance toward an endeavor, but also of God's accomplishment of that endeavor. The hand of God accomplishes His purposes through us. And in each case, all the skill or wisdom of Ezra counted for little or even nothing. God alone was responsible for the outcome. 
and specifically in our passage today, Ezra had nothing to do with their safe journey. It was the hand of God all the way. Every single step of that 900 mile journey. In our passage today, the hand of God is contrasted with another hand and that of their enemies. Ezra says it this way, The hand of our God was upon us and He delivered us from the hand of the enemy and from ambushes by the way. Child of God, make no mistake. Your God watches over you. In fact, the word there, when he says the hand of God was upon us, the word is literally the hand of God was over us. It covered us. It surrounded us. Nothing could touch us. Nothing came to dismay us along the way because the hand of our God was over us. In describing God's actions toward His people, Moses himself sings. Moses sang in Deuteronomy chapter 32 verse 10. He encircled him, talking about Israel. He cared for him. He guarded him as the pupil of his eye. Now I won't get into why the word pupil in many translations is translated into apple the apple of his eye. Just trust me, the word is pupil. Do you ever wonder if God is watching over you? He surrounds you. Moses told us that. He encircles us. He cares for us. He guards you like the pupil of his eye. It's certainly not as poetic as apple. But how much richer is it? His eye is always close to you. Knowing every danger, every peril, every difficulty, every trial that you have. And just like a warrior would protect the pupil of his eye at all costs, so God protects you. He doesn't leave you. He doesn't forsake you. And even when you sin, He abides with you. He chastens you certainly, but always with the loving hand of the Father. In John chapter 10, beginning in verse 11, Jesus tells us, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay my life, lay down my life, For the sheep. 
Your God does not leave you at the mercy of circumstance. He doesn't even leave you at the mercy of sin. God's hand is upon us, over us, taking us along in His sovereign plan, working out the good things He has prepared for us to walk in and through. What hope does the hand of the enemy have? It comes to naught when the hand of God is upon us. As Moses sang, he continued his song in verse 11 of Deuteronomy 32. He says, like an eagle that stirs up its nest, that hovers over its young, he spread his wings and caught them. He carried them on his pinions. There is assurance in being in God's hand. There is security when we know that he holds us securely in himself. And hear God's own testimony in the song of Moses as he says, See now that I, I am He, and there is no God beside me. It is I who put to death and give life. I have wounded, and it is I who heal. And there is no no one who can deliver from my hand. That's verse 39. Jesus recalled these very words in John chapter 10, beginning in verse 28. He says, I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. God's hand is over you. There is nothing that can befall us, that can shake the security of our rock. His hand holds us safe, secure, protected, victorious in Him. I leave in summary the first ten verses of Psalm 91. Please hear these prayerfully. He who dwells in the shelter under the cover of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, for He will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His pinions and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. You will not fear the terror by night nor the arrow that flies by day nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked, because you have made the Lord 
your dwelling place. The Most High, who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent. The testimony of the faithful to those who God has covered with His hand and brought through here to the end of this year is the hand of our God was on us and He delivered us. And the testimony at the end of the next year and the next year and the next will be the exact same until we declare in glory that He has covered us. He has protected us. He has brought us out of this sinful world to behold His glory forever. Let's pray. Our Father, it is such a comfort to know that we are held in Your hand. That while the nations rage, the Lord in heaven laughs. What in the world can they do to you? There is none who can snatch your children out of your hand. There is none who can cause any lasting harm. To your people. You are the God who guards us. You are the Lord who has saved us. Who has brought us from being enemies. To being children. Children of the Most High. We are humbled. Because it is not by our own works that we are brought to you. It is by your grace and your mercy and your love (coughs) that we are called by your name. It is because of the sacrifice of our Lord our Savior, Jesus Christ. And it is through His name that we can pray. Amen.